Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Well, this morning we are continuing on into God's big story that he's given us, a story that we get to participate in. That's one of the exciting things about the the scripture, the story that that, that we read as we understand more about God. And I've got to tell you, I've been I've really enjoyed uh, over the last couple of weeks, like catching snippets of conversations of people who are following along in the the chronological Bible study. Uh, It's been cool to hear people um, talk about that. And it was funny. I was talking to my wife, who's also doing it. and She was like, man, I just can't wait to get out of the book of Job. Oh man, it's kind of long. And, um, and she's at, well, anyway, I don't want to go into it, but yeah, it really is fantastic. It's fun to do this in community with one another. And if you haven't started reading the, 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 the Bible with us as a community, I want to encourage you to do it. Just dive on in, jump on in. You don't need to catch up. You can just pick up stuff later. And there's tons of resources online. If you just, you know, search chronological Bible study, you'll find different things. It's on, you know, the U version of the app. They have reading plans for you. It really is a great, a great thing to do. And so uh, today we're going to look at this story of, of Abram, of Sarai, and, and Haggai. And, and I'm going I'm to stop. I'm going to stop right there. From the outset, I want to let you know, I'm going to start pronouncing their names, Abraham, Sarah, and uh, Hagar. And the reason I'm going to do it is because it's hard for me to pronounce them the, the correct Hebrew way. Their names change in Genesis 17 when the covenant comes to the people God gives them. He changes their names. So I'm just going to start, even though it says Abram on the screens, I'm going to say Abraham. Even though it says Sarai, I'm going to say Sarah. So please bear with me on that because otherwise I'll be stumbling over it and it won't be fun for any of you. And so... Anyway, well, I want us to look today at Genesis chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to, to the 16th chapter of Genesis and start to make your way there. As you're doing that, I want to give you a little bit of background as to what's happening here in this story. So we're, if you, if you go back to Genesis 15, there's a conversation that God is having with Abraham and he's, he's establishing his covenant with Abraham and, and he says, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bless you and and your family, your offspring are going to be so numerous that they're going to be more than the stars in the sky. And this is what he says in Genesis 15 verses 5 and 6. He says, look to the sky and notice all of the stars. I mean, and we're talking, you know, as he's looking up, he sees the Milky Way, right? And, and, and there's a hundred thousand million stars. That sounds like a number that I just made up, but it's a real number. I looked it up online. I did my research. Okay. So. Anyway, God says that all of those stars, his offspring would be the same. And Abraham believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. That is a really awesome verse right there. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. If you have your Bible and you are, you can make it to Genesis 15 real fast, verse 6. Underline that because it is a, a really, it's just an important verse. It's, it's almost this, the gospel that we read about in the New Testament, the good news coming to Abraham. Abraham at first, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to move on. We're going to start talking about Abraham and Sarah and this covenant and how the the relationships that Abraham has with Sarah who and her relationships with Hagar, how they 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 
develop this greater clarity of God's intentions with humankind. And, and I'm just going to tell you, this is, this is a challenging text. It's a really hard text to read, and, and so um, just bear with me. Okay, so uh, we're going to read Genesis 16, verses 1 through 16. Now, Sarah... Abraham's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to to what Sarah had said. And so after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband uh, to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And then Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. And then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and it was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, uh, Sarah, she said. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the, the one who sees me. And this is why the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. It was still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son uh, she had born, and Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Okay, challenging text, I get it. In fact, you might be sitting there going, what are we going to learn from this? What do we have here in the midst of this kind of gross text, to be to be honest with you? It's 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 a crazy story, uh, and, and for, honestly, I, I understand your hesitation. But as I was thinking about what I wanted to teach today out of this story of Abraham, did I want to talk about the covenant? Did I want to talk about this relationship with uh, Hagar and Sarah? What did I want to talk about? I think you'll be pleased to know that I chose this one over the following chapter which is where uh, God tells Abraham, if you really believe my covenant, then you'll show that by the sign of circumcision. Trust me when I say you don't want to hear the application points to that this morning, okay? Uh, I'm serious. And by the way, uh, Ross and I were talking about this earlier, and, and um, he said, you know, that'd be a really good membership class. If Ross ever comes to you and says, come join the Genesis 17 membership class, run from him, stay away. It's not anything that you want. Trust me. I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen here. Um, <laughs> hey, I just heard Ross cackle in the back. That was good. Um, so anyway, let's consider this text, uh, Genesis um, <laughs> 16. All right. So from the outset, I, I, this is important to say, um, we need to understand as 21st century readers, 
that Genesis 16 is a completely different culture. Now, I'm not going to defend it. I'm not going to approve of it. But I want us to say that that the way that we understand life uh, really can't apply to what Abraham and Sarah did. It, it, this, I think, would be a, a huge distraction for us. We may not see what God is ultimately doing if we start to think about all of the failures that happen in the bedroom between a- Abraham and Sarah and how Hagar came into this. And, um, you know, it, it just... The, the, the thing that we can understand from this is that whenever we, as broken people, um, like come to relationships and we, we add stuff to it that shouldn't be there, then there's tension and failures are going to happen all over. So sin always brings destruction and death. And that's primarily what, what we learned from that moment. It's also, though, important for us to note that Abraham and, and, and for Sarah, this culture, it oftentimes demanded the action that they're taking place. When when Sarah says, uh, I'm going to give you my slave uh, so that we can have children, that was something that was not only culturally accepted, it was legally binding, it was contractual, it was normative. Uh, it happened all the time. In fact, there's many, many different texts in, in the Bible that have similar types of things going on. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is ever condoning it. The Bible never condones polygamy, bigamy, any of that stuff. It, that's, not, that's not what's going on here. But it is important to notice that, that it, it is a common thing that's happening. You know, Jacob, he has two wives. Samuel's father had two wives. Esau had, had three wives. And Gideon had many. I mean, it's over and over. Israel's kings, they had harems of, of wives and, and conquerors concubines and, and all kinds of other stuff. This was something that was normal. And, and my fear is if that we get distracted by that stuff, we're going to miss what God ultimately has for his people and for you and for me. So, so let's all just take a deep breath. We can all agree that, that what's happening here, it's a bad idea. It's not something that we should practice. Uh, it's, it's, you know, just like, let's just go there. It's not a good idea. Besides, I don't, I don't even know any human, male or female, who could legitimately handle more than one spouse. Like, I, I look at myself, I think, I think of um, my wife, my poor wife. She's really more like a mother of three than she is a, a wife of one and a mother of... I'm sorry, I've said that wrong. Uh, backwards. She's more like a mother of four than a wife of one and a mother of three. I mean, like, I am the biggest child and I don't understand how she puts up with me, but she does. So... Anyway, so let's get back to the story. I'm going to be, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm, I'm going to call out sin. I might, it might sound like today when I'm talking about Abraham, when I'm talking about Sarah, when I'm talking about um, this story that's going on, it might sound like I'm bashing them. The reality is I, I'm not trying to do that. I just want us to understand who God is in the midst of this. So, so please bear with me, okay? So, so let's start with Sarah. She comes to Abraham 10 years after Abraham and God talk about his offspring. And she feels like God is against her. Remember what she said? Uh, she said, the Lord has kept me from having children. And so she comes up with this idea that it's not original to her. Um, she says, go and sleep with my servant. And if she becomes pregnant, then that's how we can start our family. That's the way that we're going to do it. And I want to pause to point out something, too, that's also going on. I'm sure that you noticed it, but I, a lot of times when we read Scripture... Um, like in the English version, uh, they kind of soften some of the language that's happening here. We need to understand that Hagar is property of Sarah. She is her slave. Completely, like it's, it's gross when you think about it. It makes me uh, creep and crawl. But that's really what's happening here. And, and any child that Hagar bears from this uh, relationship, from this what they're setting up, that child becomes Sarah's child legally. It, like... 
it sounds creepy. It sounds terrible. It sounds horrible. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of times when people read stories like that, they think, how can this be in the Bible? How can God allow something like this to happen? And, and quite frankly, how can we learn anything from this story? And, and you know, I, I'm, I, it's okay to bristle and to be uncomfortable with the text. I hope that you are. And, 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 and I, I know that everyone in this room understands that this relationship is sinful. You know, slavery and um, bigamy and all this stuff is, is absolutely wrong. But this is the culture, this is the culture that Sarah is living in. This is the culture that Abraham is living in. This is what's normative for them. And it, it's just indicating and highlighting the flaws that they have with people, Okay. And as we kind of dig through the story, we're going to see how there's even more depravity. It just it just kind of keeps sinking and sinking lower and lower. So after Abraham uh, sleeps with Hagar, she becomes pregnant. And we see Sarah become jealous, of course, right? Uh, she's jealous because the one thing that can bring her identity, according to her culture, is to be able to grow a family, to have a family. But she's not able to do it. And as Hagar sleeps with uh, Abraham and, and Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah looks at her and says, why not me? Why this person? She's jealous. There's this jealousy that's happening. It's building into some, some hatred. And, and, and I, you know, that's another thing that's so, I, I just think it's terrible. Like when we look at these, these cultures, how, how anyone can determine the value of someone based on what they can do is just, it's really broken. But unfortunately, we live in a culture that does a lot of the same stuff. It's gut-wrenching. But that's what they were going through. So Sarah's jealousy, it leads to this severe mistreatment of Hagar. And this is one of those things that's not explicitly stated in the text. But whatever Sarah did to Hagar to beat her, to um, to punish her, it, it, it was enough to drive a pregnant woman into the desert. It was severe. It was severe. So let's talk a little bit about Hagar for a second. So we're going to read this again. Starting in verse 4, Genesis 16, it says that, that Abraham slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And one of the, the three characters here, or of the three characters here, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, Hagar is the one who's mistreated the most, right? She's forced into this relationship that's happened. She doesn't have a choice. She's a slave of Sarah. She's forced to sleep with Abraham. She's forced to, to potentially start a family before she wants to. She has no choice in this matter, okay? She, she's just doing what she's told to do as as a slave and so um uh, so she she sleeps with abraham she gets pregnant she's later cast out and she's treated mercilessly by sarah and, and so for that reason uh, i want to i want to handle Hagar's situation carefully uh, assigning any kind of sin to her seems unfair it seems almost cruel but there is she does play a part in this whole in the tension that's happening in the relationship she she pay, plays a part in it because as she becomes pregnant in in Hagar's mind her situation has changed no longer is she just slave to Sarah but now she is Abraham's wife and she's able to do something that Sarah wasn't able to do. And so she creates this false pride, which is ultimately what makes Sarah so jealous and, and, um, and then kind of leads down this path that, that is broken. And, and, um, and it, it was Sarah, of course, that, that started this, you know, you know, all out with, with her own idea. 
I think it's interesting, too, to note, though, if you read Genesis 15 in the conversation that God has with Abraham, Abraham had already been thinking about it. When when God comes to Abraham and says, you know, this is a covenant that I'm going to make with you, Abraham starts off by saying this. This is um, These are going to be on the screen. It says, uh, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? Um, and Abram said, you give me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. That's Genesis 15. Okay, so then we fast forward to Sarah approaching um, Abraham and saying, this is what you can do. And, and essentially what's happening is it's just giving Abraham this green light to, to take matters into his own hands. You know, honestly, there's no, no part of the situation uh, would have happened if, if people weren't so broken. And it's the brokenness of people that perpetuates hurt after hurt after hurt. You know, these people, they live in, the, in an incredibly messed up culture. It's flawed, it's, it's hurtful, and, and we're going to learn a little bit later when we talk about Ishmael, how much the sins of one person lead to another and start to ruin and destroy another person's life. So Hagar, she has this false pride. It stokes this flame of jealousy between she and Sarah. And, um, and of course, it didn't stop there. Uh, uh, you know, all of the, the characters in the story are really flawed. But Abraham, we're going to talk about him for a second. He's probably my least favorite character in this whole story. I, I get frustrated when I read this and I think about uh, the kind of person that he is, he's doing this. He, he is, he's this weakling of a man. And, um, and so, so, uh, what, what, what we see from him and, and, you know, like, I, oh, let's, let's read verse five of chapter 16. And then Sarah said to Abram, uh, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And here comes this weakling of a man. And he says, your slave is in your hands. You do with her whatever you what you think is best. And then Sarah mistreats Hagar, and so she flees from her. I, so Abraham had the power. This is a patriarchal culture. He had the ability to stop the mistreatment so that Hagar wasn't beaten. After all, at this point, she is the mother of his child. He could have stopped this, this moment where, where Sarah beats Hagar, but he chooses not to. He's a weakling. He says, no, I, he, he stands in this moment as this callous, heartless person. He's a jerk. She's your slave. You do with her what you will. It's weak. It's weak. You know, in our culture today, there, there, there are often people who, who write off the stories of Scripture and, and they disregard it because of accounts like this. You know, they, they read the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and they see how people are being mistreated and how relationships are intentionally messy. And, and they say, what in the world? How, how can we, how can we learn anything from this? How can any kind of moral or, 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 or spiritual, um, practice come from these stories? How, how are Abraham and Sarah heroes of the faith who are supposed to teach us something about how we can live our lives? And, and, and you know, when, when people think about the Bible this way, when, when they think of it as a collection of stories uh, that really teach us morals, um, you know, through the characters, uh, I, I think I think that's that's a 
that's something that we have to be really cautious of. Many of us probably, we think that, right? We, we look to a text and, and, and we open it up and we read a story and, and we start to ask ourselves, what can I learn from this? It's not a bad question. It's not at all. We, we ask, how can I be a better question by following the, the standards that I'm reading about? How, how does this teach me uh, something so that I can, um, you know, be a, a better follower of Jesus, right? How can I apply it to my life? And, and it's interesting because this story uh, has, has a, 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 a good ending um, in that uh, I think it's interesting for us. Um, if you know the story, then you know that ultimately Abraham bears two sons. First, he has Ishmael with Hagar. That's the one we just read about. And later on, uh, he has another son, Genesis 21. He has another son that he bears through uh, his relationship with Sarah. Um, his name is Isaac, and, it, and, and he's, he's born naturally. And a lot of times when people read this story, they say, well, obviously the point of this is that if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to walk closely to God, then you end up with an Isaac blessing, right? The the Ishmael blessing or whatever you want to call it is really like taking our matters into our own hands and 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 it's that's it's problematic. So we want to we want the Isaac blessing in our lives. You know, Ishmael represents man doing things on their own the way that culture suggests. And I want to talk just a little bit about uh, Ishmael for a moment because I, I think that he's probably he has he has the hardest part in this story. So the text says, um, as the angel comes to Hagar when she's in the desert, uh, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. The Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham, which is a coveted position in this culture. The firstborn son inherited all of the wealth of the father when the father passed on. The, the firstborn son got the responsibility and was in charge. It was, it was a position of privilege. But for Ishmael, his situation was different because he was born of a slave. And, and 13 years after he was born, Abraham and uh, Sarah conceived of their naturally born son, Isaac, second born son, but favorite son. In fact, uh, because he was naturally born, uh, the Abraham and Sarah put him into this first position, the coveted position. And uh, I mean, so it, it doesn't take a child psychologist to understand why Ishmael, you know, only child for 13 years um, and then second rate brother born of a slave uh, would be a wild donkey of a man. Of course, he's going to wrestle and argue and be against people all of his life. His internal psyche is ultimately doomed because of the choices of Abraham and Sarah. And I think many of us, um, we see that, uh, that this is really the point of the story, that if we follow God, then we have an Isaac experience. And if we follow man, then we get an Ishmael experience. But I want to say this. I want to suggest this. I want to some, say something different. It, it, I don't think the Bible really is just a collection of moral stories. The reality is these are corrupt situations. And I think, I think the answer for us is, is really simple. The Bible is not a collection of moral stories. It's not a book of virtues, but instead it's a book of gospel. It's a book of good news written for us. It's a record of God's intervening grace into the lives of those who don't deserve it. 
right? It is people who, who are not seeking God, who are continually resisting God, and, and who don't appreciate it. And time and time again, they run from it, but God keeps chasing them. God is choosing people who have moral and spiritual failures, who can't rise above their own culture and above the brutality of, of their times. They, they can't escape their, their own self-centered hearts, but God comes to them again and again. He doesn't give up on them. He patiently talks with them and patiently guides them. He rescues them and saves them over and over again and again. Can I get an amen? That's what this story is about. Yeah, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Isaac and Ishmael, their characters in it. But the character that we need to be focused on is God, the rescuer. Listen to this. I, I, I love this. Um, when we when we read this uh, the story, um, there's this mysterious angel that comes to Hagar in the desert after running away from Sarah. And, and, and so this is in verse 7. Um, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that's beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? And I, I love that. I love that because it reminds me so much of the Garden of Eden. There was this moment, you, I'm sure you remember, when, when um, Adam and Eve had just eaten uh, that fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And after that, what do they do? They hide. They run. They go away. They try and cover up their shamefulness. And they, they, they're all of a sudden aware of this, of, of who they are. And God comes and pursues them. He comes and chases after them. He follows them. Genesis 3, 9 says, where are you, Adam? That's God coming to these people to rescue them, to save them. And that's what's happening right here. God is rescuing Hagar from this situation. And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. It didn't matter who Hagar was whether she was slave or free, man or woman. It didn't matter. God chose to bless her. God chose to bless her with the one thing that in their culture, in Hagar's culture, it gave a person the most sense of identity, the greatest sense of identity, and that is a large family. He says, I will, it's the same blessing that he gave to Abraham. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. There's nothing, nothing that Hagar could do to deserve this. There's nothing that Abraham or Sarah could do to deserve a similar blessing. It was by God's grace that it was given to them. No performance, no merit, just God's grace. And, and, and here's the warning for us. Later in Galatians chapter 4 and 5, Paul recounts this story. And he, he talks about it. He talks about how, um, how, uh, there's the, the slave Hagar and the free woman Sarah and the children of blessing. And, and, and he says, this is, this is what the story is really about. And, uh, it's all about God who's pursued us over and over and over again. It's God who sets us free. And we need to be careful not to return to a life of slavery. Galatians chapter 4, verse 31, and then continuing on into chapter 5, verse 1, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. 
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God enters this story to bring blessing. God enters this story to to gracefully give us, give Abraham, give Hagar a blessing. And until we are convinced that God loves us, that we are worth loving as we are, broken, sinful, you name it, until we understand that God loves us in spite of all that stuff, then we can never let go of the culture that holds us down, enslaved. See, we are worth loving not on the basis of anything that we can do, not on the basis of any performance, but purely on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. This is the only liberation that we can experience from the culture surrounding us. God came to rescue us. At the end of the day, you and I, we are Abraham. We are Sarah. We're Hagar. We're David. We're Solomon. We're Samuel. We're broken men and women that God loves. He loves his creation. He loves you and he loves me. And he wants us to experience the blessing that he's offering to us as a free gift. And that's the reason that we come to this, this communion table. Because it's so easy for us to forget that this is something that is, um, something that, that we, we have, that we don't get to do on our own, but that God does for us. We need to remember that it was Christ who broke his body, who got hung on a cross, who shed his blood for the forgiveness of, of our sins so that we could be brought back into relationship with God, God's free gift. We have to remember that. Otherwise, we step back into that culture of slavery. So today, I want to invite you to come to this table. I want you to take the bread, remember Christ's body, dip it into the juice, remember Christ's blood. And as you take the communion, thank God for what he's done for you. Thank God for the places that he's taken you and how he's blessing you and what he's going to continue to do in your life. Knowing that it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, doesn't matter where you've come from or, or what sins you've committed. God chooses you. He runs to you. He looks for you. He is pursuing you. And this is his gift for you today. So come and join us at the table. I'm going to pray for us. If you guys will all stand. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for Abraham. We're thankful for Sarah and we're thankful for the story that you tell through them. But more importantly, we're, we're thankful that, that in the midst of their brokenness, you still bless them. You still love them. You still pursue them. Because that says to us that you still love us and you still pursue us and you will still continue to allow us to be a part of your family, even in the midst of our brokenness, our own sin. So God, we thank you. I pray today that as we come to this table of communion and we remember the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf, that we might give him the glory, that we might understand how significant that is and remember that we are loved by you. So thank you for your son, Jesus. 
Thank you for his life. Thank you for the ministry and the words that he has uh, preached and shared with us. Thank you for his death and sacrifice on the cross. And thank you so much for his resurrection that we also are resurrected back to life so that we can live eternally with you, God. Thank you so much. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.